Nice to see you tonight. Nice to see you dry. <laughs> the only rain you want to get in is the rain of the Spirit. But that's not the Spirit raining out there. Nice to see you on live stream. Glad you're out there. I know you're dry. We're glad you are. Amen. Did you have a lot of rain in Port Charlotte today? No? No? Yes? Okay. I'm listening to the Port Charlotte people. They, they had rain. All right. Well, let's just bless the Lord for a moment. Father, we bless you. We honor you. We give you all the praise and all the glory. You alone, O oh Lord, are worthy to receive praise and adoration. You're the mighty God, the glorious King, the everlasting Lord. There's none like you, Lord Jesus. Holy God, wonderful are you, living one. Oh, I bless your name, Jesus. High and lifted up are you. Your name is above every name that's been named in this age and in the age to come. And we're seated in you, in that name, in heavenly places, at the right hand of the Father. I thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, for your great and wonderful plan of salvation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, as we come before you today, we come to sit at your feet and hear your word being taught by your Holy Spirit, that we listen in our heart to hear what the Spirit would have to say to us, that we will receive impartations of revelation within us, and we'll take hold of these things and meditate on them and get them on the inside of us. And Father, I just thank you so much that there is nothing in all of creation that can stand against your word. For your word is all-powerful, almighty, and your word has created all things. And the creation cannot overpower the creator. Lord, I just thank you and praise you that we continue to grow in your divine nature, conforming to the image of Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. We're going to start in Galatians chapter 2 this evening. So if you'd uh, go ahead and open up there. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. This is the Apostle Paul. Verse 20. Galatians 2, verse 20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. All right. You know, this was proof that Paul's uh, father was, was one of the thieves on the cross with Christ because his old man died with Christ. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, anyway, on a serious note. So Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ, and we can say the same thing. I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. Amen. Our life is now in Christ. Our old man with the old nature has been done away with, crucified with Christ. When he was nailed to the cross, our old man was nailed to that cross. We have been redeemed from sin. 
and now our righteousness is in Christ Jesus. We're new creatures in Christ, isn't that right? And we take on his life by walking in his word. Hallelujah. I live by the faith which comes by hearing. It's the just shall live by faith. So it's no longer I that lives, Christ lives in me. And in order for his life to live through me, then his word has to live through me. Because him and his word are the same. Isn't that right? So I live by the faith that comes by hearing. And living by the faith now means this is now my lifestyle. Our redemption is in him. And in him is where I can enjoy and experience everything that is his. And allow all that is his to become mine also. You know, he's given us all that he is and all that he has. But it's our choice to make it ours. Amen. And it's not just that, well, I want that. It's making it ours. So in John chapter 8, verses 30 to 32. John chapter 8, verse 30 through 32. He's John chapter 8. <laughs> Verse 30 to 32, thank you. It says, as he spoke these things, many came to believe in him. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. All right, so he's speaking to those that what? Believed. So believing is not the end. You know, sometimes people are like, well, they believe, glory to God, that's it. No, you just got to step one. Isn't that right? It's only the beginning. Believing is only the beginning. And believing don't make you a disciple. Right? And neither do the years that we're saved make us disciple. Well, I've been saved for 40 years. Now I'm a disciple. No, not necessarily. Because only after you believe, you have to continue in the word of God in order to become a disciple. So you have to walk in what the word of God says, because only a disciple can walk in this life, can walk and have a life and a lifestyle of the truth of the word of God. Therefore, it's only a disciple that can be made free. Now, let me just tell you this. Healing don't make you free. Right. Having your needs met don't make you free. We're talking about you as an individual being made free that your whole being becomes free. And it's something you can't explain it. You have to step into it. Are you with me? Amen. So only a disciple can be made free. Why? Because a disciple that continues in the word will know the truth. And that truth, the truth, the truth makes you free. Stop trying to make yourself free. The truth makes you free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we're building off of the foundation, all right? Living his life is the strongest, most joyful, secure quality of life that we can have. Hallelujah. You know, a lot of times people think joyful means you've got to be hanging from the chandeliers. And that's why a lot of people are afraid of joyful stuff. They're afraid of happy stuff, <laughs> you know? Some people hang, some people don't. But Christ has provided all of this for us through his death, 
through his resurrection, and then you take hold of it through his word. And it's our choice. He's provided it all, but it's our choice. It's my choice to continue in the word. It's my choice to take hold of the word. It's my choice to walk in the word. It's my choice whether I'm going to make the word my lifestyle or not. Isn't that right? And choice is proven by action, not by saying. It's proven by action, and the action is what? Continuing in the word. That is the action that proves our choice. Amen? All right, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. It says, among them... We, all, we also all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he says, we formerly lived in the lust of our flesh. Now, that word flesh does not mean your physical body. Okay? We all live in a body. And you'll never get away from living in a body. Even when Jesus comes back and you'll get a new one, you'll still be in a body. Isn't that right? So, there's different Greek words. The word for this word for flesh is socks, which means uh, the mere human nature without the influences of God in it. Mere human nature without the influence of God. Now listen, you can be a believer and be walking by that human nature without the influence of God. And that's why we say believing don't make you a disciple. A disciple is one that allows the influences of God within their spirit. Amen. So he says we also formerly lived in the lust of our mere human nature without the influence of God, indulging in those desires and were by nature children of wrath, because that's what your nature was. Before we were born again, we were dead in our spirit, right? So therefore, by nature, we were children of wrath. When you got born again, you got a new nature. You got God's nature on the inside. That old nature of the flesh was removed out from you, out from your spirit. And therefore, you became a new creature in Christ, no longer children of wrath. Why? Because God was rich in mercy. And even when you were dead in your sins, he made you alive in Christ because Christ paid the price for all sin in the world. And all it does is come down to our choice of whether we're going to choose what Jesus has provided for us, which is eternal life. Amen. Amen. So, again, we were just walking in that old dead nature, the flesh, mere men, walking in our human nature without godly influence and what did that produce in we lived in death that's what we lived in isn't that right oh you were still breathing you were still existing sucking up air eating food but you were walking in death because life has nothing to do with you breathing and death has nothing to do with you stop breathing Selah. 1 Timothy 1.18. 
1 Timothy 1.18. This command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you fight the good fight. All right? Now, I want you to notice the order in which this is written. I entrust you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies that was previously made concerning you. So the prophecies came first, right? But the prophecies are not a guarantee of overcoming anything in your life. You can get prophecy after prophecy after prophecy and wind up with your face in the dirt. Unless you go and do what it says there, by the prophecies, you fight the good fight. In other words, you take the word to fight the good fight. Just because something was said, it doesn't mean, oh, that's it, it's done. People think because they get a revelation, oh, it's done. Or they have a visitation, oh, it's all finished. Or they get an impartation, oh, that's it, we're done, this is good. No, it's by that you fight the good fight. Without you fighting the good fight, nothing's going to work. Because the prophecy, the revelation, the visitation, the impartation is God's part. The fighting is your part. If you don't fight, the revelations, the impartations, the visitations, the prophecies fall to the floor. Can you see that? You will never be made free in life unless you fight the good fight. If you don't want to fight, you might as well just go home to be with Jesus. Because as long as you're on this earth, you're either going to fight or you're going to get beat down. There is no other way. There's an enemy in this world, and it's time we wake up to the fact that there's a devil that don't want you to succeed, don't want you to advance, don't want you to have anything, do anything, or be anything. And you might as well just settle the fact. As long as you're on this earth, it's going to be a fight. Well, when's the fight going to be over? When you see him, you will be like him. But until then, you might as well buckle up, buttercup, because it's going to be a fight. Amen. Say amen or say oh me, one or the other. Verse 19. He says, keeping faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. Okay. Faith and a good conscience. Good conscience, that's maturity. Maturity. Good conscience empowers your faith. A good conscience is living in the new nature that God's put within you. Not living like a mere man. Remember when Paul wrote to the Corinthians and he said, I couldn't talk to you as spiritual men, but as infants, as babes in Christ, as mere men, because you're walking like a mere man. You're, you're carnal. You're walking by the flesh. Remember that? And you need to, what does it tell us in Romans 8? Put to death the deeds of the flesh. Well, we found out from Ephesians, we used to walk in the things of the flesh. You got born again in new nature in your spirit, but that old flesh is still in your soul. Right? And we need to put to death the deeds of the flesh by the spirit or by the word. Put it to death. Amen. You know, as your pastor, how effective would I be if I was a liar, a swindler, or a conniver? How effective would I be as a pastor? 
not, a, not very, especially if you knew I was a liar, especially if you knew I was a swindler or a conniver. If you knew that I was, I, I wouldn't be effective at all. And if I was that and you didn't know it, I'm probably going to have to find teachings that somebody wrote up so I could teach to you because I ain't getting no revelations from God. The more integrity increases, the more revelation will increase. See, the more you develop in the nature of God, the more revelation is going to increase. The more anointing is going to increase. The more impartations is going to increase. But without a good conscience, which is what? Proper living. We're going to shipwreck in our faith. Not having a good conscience, not walking in good character will shipwreck your faith. Some people think, well, all I need to do is build faith. The number one thing you need to build faith on is to walk in a good character. Amen. So either reject faith, reject a good conscience, you will suffer shipwreck. Walking in the new nature of God, what's the nature of God? Love. So walking in the new nature of God is increasing in love. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about that kind of love. Are you with me? Love is not, we're not talking about human. See, there, there we go again with the carnality, human kind of love. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's, but you need to know that's human love. That's not God love. Jesus didn't come and stroke your flesh. Jesus came down and told you right where it was at. And you had a choice of getting saved or not. Because he loved you. And the more you love somebody, you won't play up to their emotions. You know why? Because you play to that emotion, that'll affect them receiving the truth. Because that truth can't now get through that emotion. Nothing wrong with the emotions. Don't, don't get in a ditch. We love the emotions. We like that stuff. But you got to know when to stroke that emotion and when to bypass it. It's the nature of God, which is love. How many times has God ever had to correct you? And did he do it by going, oh, oh, my son, oh, my daughter. You know, I love you so much. You're just so wonderful and so great. But let me tell you that. No, he just tells you the way it is. Yeah. Because he loves you. He's not going to play that emotion game. Walking in the new nature of God is walking in love. How does faith work? And only by love. The nature of God, the good conscience, and faith. Faith works by a good conscience, the nature of God, which is love. Amen. Are you with me? See, the bottom line is, is maturity inward affects faith outward. Maturity inward will not create faith, but maturity inward affects your faith. Jesus was so strong on the earth in his walk with the Father was because he was the express image of the Father's nature, the exact image of the Father's nature. And because he was the exact image of the Father's nature, that Strength of character is what gave strength to faith. Amen. So, you know, maybe in your life, you might not need healing. 
Maybe in your life you don't need to have your needs met. Maybe in your life you don't really have any known issues and everything's really pretty good. So what do you think about? What do you speak to yourself about? How many times you go, well, I don't know what to look at in the word because I don't need healing. Or I, don't need, I don't have a need. I, I don't know what to look at in the word. So what do you think about? What do you speak to yourself about? I'm the righteousness of God. I'm a new creature. I'm a saint, sanctified, useful to the master. I know the deeds of the flesh. In fact, let me name a few. Outburst of anger, immorality, lasciviousness, lewdness, lying, greed, covetousness, impure thinking, carousing, drunkenness, passions, evil desires. Well, I choose to put these things off. Now, you can't just say, well, I'm going to put off the old man unless you know what the old man did. So we rehearse because the Bible says, remember from where you've come from. All right. So I rehearse that I that this was how we acted, but I put those things off and I put on the new man. I put on kindness. I put on compassion. I put on honesty. I put on self-control. I put on humility. I put on gentleness. I put off sickness. I put off lack. I put off confusion. I put off brokenheartedness. I put off discouragement. I put God first. I put his word first in my heart and in my mouth. I put off all of those things and I'm taking on the things of God. I'm going to declare what the word of God has to say. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. You understand? I think on. I speak to myself. I praise him. I thank him. The world has a system. The world has a way of thinking. The world has a way of perceiving. And it creeps in. And it's subtle. And it's sneaky. And you got to keep your mind filled with the right things, whether you think you need something or not. Because life in God is not about need. Life in God is about being. It's about being who he's made you to be. And I think that if we were all honest about it, we'd say we all need some help. At least in one area. Come on. So what are we going to think about? What are we going to speak to ourselves? The things we put off, the things we put on. Get our mind filled with the right things and the God things. Isn't that right? Amen. Amen. This is the fight of faith. Keeping the right things in your thinking. That's what the fight of faith is all about. The fight of faith isn't going out there and kicking down doors and blah, 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 and all this stuff in the flesh. That's not the fight of faith. The fight of faith is very simply keeping the right things in your thinking, the right things in your heart, the right things in your mouth. And therefore, making the right decisions and making the right choices. It's what it's all about. It's the fight of faith. Because where does the battle take place? In our mind. We want to fight to keep the word in our heart, in our mouth, in our thinking, 
in our perception in order to touch our choices, touch our decisions, so I can walk in the truth, and the truth will make me free. Amen. So if we don't fight against flesh and blood, you don't fight sickness. You don't fight lack. How do you fight lack? What are you going to do? You know how you do it in the flesh, right? You go get three more jobs. That's how you fight it in the flesh. And I'm not saying you shouldn't work. What I'm saying is that the answer to what we need is in the Word of God. It's not fighting flesh and blood. It's not only not fighting against flesh and blood, but it's not fighting with flesh and blood. So as I'm spending time in the Word, I can get direction from the Holy Spirit, and He can tell me to go do this, put my hand to that, work here, whatever. The good fight. Only faith is called the good fight. Because if you stick with the fight of faith, you'll win. Yeah. Amen. And, you know, and, you know, I've had people get these goofy ideas because we, we used to make statements like don't, don't, work, uh, don't, don't work harder, work smarter. So people heard that and they said, oh, good, I'm only going to work four hours a day then. What is wrong with you? But they thought, I mean, you know, and they went into business and they said, well, I'm going to just do this like four hours a day and it's going to be fine. Well, they went out of business, obviously. You know, it's like the guy that started Holiday Inn. He only, he started Holiday Inn, multi, multi, millionaire, but he only worked half a days. Didn't matter if it was the first half or the second half. He worked half a days, 12 hours every single day. See, when I say half a day, you think half of an eight-hour day. Eight-hour day isn't even half a day. A half a day is 12 hours. So he would work 12 hours every day. (laughs) Are you with me? Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verses 3 through 5. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. Now, understand something here, okay? Flesh can sometimes be, the way they translate it in English, sometimes it's talking about the body, but sometimes it's talking about that old nature. And you have to know the context of what's being talked about. Okay? Now, we walk in the flesh, and there is flesh in us. We all have flesh in us, right? And though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. For we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, who is the Word. All right, so if our weapons are not of the flesh, how can we expect to win if we are walking according to, directed by, and controlled by the flesh? Human nature without the influences of God. If that's what I'm walking in, how am I expecting war against it? That's like saying, you know, I'm going to fight the devil, but you're sleeping with the boy. If you understand what I mean. I don't mean physically. You know, it's like he's your best buddy, but, you know, you're going to fight against him. But every time he tells you to do something, you obey him. 
Okay. Flesh, human nature, without God, in any situation, in any circumstance, will produce ruin and destruction. Proverbs 14 and Proverbs 16 both say, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the ends of it is death. See, what is it, what is it that seems right? It's your decisions that you make in your own human nature without the influence of the Holy Spirit. You've made it, you think it's right, it's going to be really good, but the end of it is what? Death, ruin, destruction. Now, I think it's important because he said it twice in two Proverbs. And we know Proverbs is a book of wisdom. So he says it twice, and it's something you ought to pay heed to. That there is a way that seems right. It's in your own human nature, in your own thinking, in your own uh, figuring out stuff. And it seems to be right, but it ain't going to end up right. Because why? Flesh. No influence from the Holy Spirit. We cannot war and we cannot fight the fight of faith battle in flesh. Because faith, what is faith? Faith is not just, I know what the word says. That's not faith. Faith is a divinely powerful weapon. Isn't that right? Faith is something you know that you know by inward certainty. Your mind can be buzzing in one direction. You know, doubt can be pushing in another direction. But on the inside, you know that you know that you know. And you can't be persuaded otherwise. You know that you know. Faith. You have full assurance. Like Abraham, he was fully persuaded, fully in his spirit, in his soul, in his whole being. He just knew what God promised is the way it's going to be. He had to get to that point. Being totally convicted of the truth. What happens when you're convicted of something? Okay, so what if you were in a court case and you were convicted of a crime? What then would happen to you? There'll be a penalty. Why? Because conviction is always followed by action. So when you have a conviction of the word of God, you're going to act on it no matter what. I'm convicted of it. I'm fully persuaded of it. Totally assured of it. I have an inward certainty. I know that I know that I know. And you can't rip it out of me. There's not a circumstance, a situation, or a devil in hell that can change what I believe on this. Are you with me? Only faith can pull down fortresses and strongholds. Fortresses, the Greek word akurama, it means metaphorically, it means any strong points or arguments in which one trusts. Any strong points or arguments in which one trusts. Well, a great example of that, and you hear it all the time. Well, this is my truth. It's a strong point and argument that you trust in, but you're totally wrong. To you, it's the truth, but if the light in you is the darkness, then how great the darkness really is. Are you with me? My truth. See, it's not founded in the Word of God by revelation. It has to be in the Word of God by revelation on the inside of you. Amen. Amen. And what are strongholds? Well, it's defined as speculations or imaginations. 
the Greek word logismos, which means a reckoning, a calculation, and a consideration, and a reflection. So there are things you consider, there are things you calculate, there are things you reckon, and there are things you reflect on. And that's the Greek word logismos, which is imaginations and speculations. It's the consideration and a reflection of something that precedes and determines your conduct. Well, I have sat down, I have determined, I have, I have considered, I have uh, 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 reflected on all of this stuff, I've calculated, and this is the direction I'm going to take. But what are we to consider and reflect and reckon? We reckon the word so that we would consider. In other words, there's a decision that needs to be made. And the first thing is, what does the word of God say about this? And I should consider, reflect and reckon our steps according to the word of God before we even take a step. Amen. We are to pull down and cast off any considerations and reflections that do not agree with the Word of God in that situation. It would be those that come from human nature without Holy Spirit influence. Amen. Amen. So this is important. See, this is about growing, isn't it? It's about maturing. Romans 5, 17. It says, for if by the transgression of the one, talking about Adam, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It says, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Well, we receive that gift of righteousness in Christ. Yeah. Isn't that right? We were made righteous in Christ. It's who we are. That's who I am spiritually. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And I need to be established in it and not let the enemy lie to me in order to make my position in life inactive. My position in life is the righteousness of Christ. That's my position in life. Well, if I let the devil lie to me, then my position becomes inactive, ineffective. The Word reveals and instructs us in righteousness. That's what it tells us in Romans 1, 16. For I'm not ashamed of the Word of God, for it is the power of God for salvation. Verse 17, for in it, in the Word, the righteousness of God is revealed from step to step, or from faith to faith, right? Okay? So the word reveals to us and instructs us in righteousness so that we can walk in the victory of having been made righteous. I mean, what is the sense of being made something if you can't walk in it or don't know how to walk in it? You know, we just had a new great grandbaby. That great grandbaby knows nothing about anything and has to be taught and trained in order to walk now and to live and to operate as a human being on this earth. Well, same thing when you come into the kingdom. I don't care if you come into the kingdom at 50 years old. You come in the kingdom not knowing anything. 
about the kingdom. You know a lot about a lot of other stuff that probably don't mean much of anything. Now, you probably made a good living, probably things were taken care of, but that don't mean anything in eternity. It has no eternal value to it. So when we come into the kingdom at whatever age we come in, we come in as a baby. We don't know anything, and we need the Word of God to teach us how to walk in that righteousness that we've been made to be. There's great benefits in moving the awareness of being the righteousness of God, moving that into my soul. It's in my spirit, but it's got to get into my soul. So it's got to be part of my thinking. It's got to be part of my will. Part of the controls, the inner mechanisms on the inside of me. Amen. So what we have to do is believe what God says is truth. Whether you like it or not, whether you agree with it or not, whether mama did it or not, you got to agree with the word of God. There's a lot of things in here that I learned when I got saved. I didn't hear that stuff. And as a child, I went to church. My parents took me to church as a child. I didn't learn none of that. My parents never taught me any of this. I never even heard any of it. The only thing I knew about righteousness was back in the 60s. They would say, oh, man, that's righteous. I never knew what that meant. I thought that was the dumbest expression I'd ever heard. What are you talking about? Of course, they weren't talking about Christianity. I still don't know what it means. That's a righteous vehicle. What? That was the only time I ever heard the word. Never knew what it meant. Neither did they. It sounded good. <laughs> you know, in Matthew 6, I think it is, Jesus talks about the three acts of righteousness, prayer, fasting, and giving, that they're acts of righteousness, and that in doing these acts of righteousness, if you do it secretly without anybody knowing about it, without letting anybody knowing about it, Father will repay you openly. Isn't that right? Why? Because you are acting out of who you are. Righteous acts for righteous people. And Father will repay you openly. Amen. Much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life. The word reign, it means to rule and to be king. To rule and to be king. Now, notice the first part of the verse. The by the transgression of the one, death reigned. Death ruled your life. Death was king in your life. But Jesus has now moved us into a position to make us able to reign. You're only able to reign. You're like a child born in a kingly state into the house of nobility. Well, as a child, you're not reigning, but you're in position to where you can reign yes. and get to the place to where you can reign. Well, it's the same thing in the kingdom. You're born into the kingdom. You're born into nobility, a royal priesthood, but you're not reigning. You're just born again in the kingdom. And you could be in the kingdom for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years and not even know anything about reigning. Because growth in the kingdom is not based on chronological years. 
based on maturity in the word. Isn't that right? Amen. And if there's one thing you know about kings, they don't get pushed around in their kingdom. The king don't like what you do. Done. You know, people think, oh, the king's called me into the court. Glory to God. Well, you better have the right attitude. You better act just right. Otherwise, you did. <laughs> Getting pushed around in your kingdom is death reigning. Now, remember, we don't fight against flesh and blood. So what, what happens if, let's say, if I'm on a job and I've got somebody that's really giving me a hard time and trying to push me around on my job? Well, you take control over the spiritual the forces that's behind what's going on. See, we live so much by what we see. But Paul clearly said it. We don't fight against flesh and blood. Wasting your time, wasting your effort. But why do we do that? Probably because of a lack of faith. Yeah, ignorance, not knowing. Amen. Not being pushed around. Don't let circumstances push you around. Don't let reports push you around. Don't let the economy push you around. Don't let gas prices push you around. Don't let interest rates push you around. Amen. Every Christian is designed by God to be a king and to reign as a leader in life. And I like what Pastor Oliver said when he was here. The world has conditioned you to fail. And this is why it's so hard to move over in our thinking because we've been conditioned so much. You understand, 24-7, all of your life conditioned to fail. That's why there's a fight. That's right. And the, the, the realm of the fight is in the soul. That's where the realm of fighting is. Always. The message translation, let's read that. The message translation of Romans 5.17. If death got the upper hand through one man's wrongdoing, can you imagine the breathtaking recovery life makes, sovereign life, in those who grasp with both hands this wildly extravagant life gift, this grand setting everything right that the one man Jesus Christ provides. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, I can talk to you about not letting circumstances push you around, not letting the economy push you. And your mind wants to go into, well, I don't know how that's going to happen. Well, I can't see that. Well, you know, I got this and I got that. You know, and we just go on and on and on. Why? Because we've been conditioned to fail. So automatically we start thinking about how it's not going to work. And we're not taking God at his word. We're taking our circumstances at its word. Well, I'm taking my lack at its word. I'm taking the reports at my word. I'm looking at the gas prices when I drive in, and I'm taking that at its word. And I'm putting all that first before God when actually Jesus has provided for you everything you need to be free from it all. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus has set everything right and provided it all for us. Now, if you'll start thinking that instead of thinking what you were thinking and going down that road of failure, if you'll start thinking what the Word of God says, things will start changing for you. He's provided everything. He's made it all right. And those who grasp with both 
hands. What does that mean that you grasp this with both hands? What does that mean? It means you've made it your lifestyle. This is not a church thing. This is not a 10-minute thing in the morning. This is a life thing. It's a lifestyle. I live by faith. And I understand the growth process. It's something you move into step by step. by. But it's something you're looking forward to, you're pressing into, and always wanting more of it. I grasp it with both hands. It's my lifestyle. Amen. And when you grasp it with both hands, it's not easily pried out. It, and your life takes a breathtaking recovery because you get delivered out from the past. All that old stuff that's still on the inside of you, bless God, delivered out of it. No longer living in that. I've been delivered out of the flesh. I've been delivered out of that way of life. And although it's still in me, bless God, my life could take a breathtaking recovery. Amen. Amen. It's a wildly extravagant life gift of righteousness. It's a position that God's given to you. You were in a position in the flesh and you were controlled by everything in life. But now you're in a position of righteousness and you don't have to be controlled by anything. Hallelujah. Let's put up the Passion Translation, Romans 5, 17. Death once held us in its grip, and by the blunder of one man, death reigned as king over humanity. But now, how much more are we held in the grip of grace and continue reigning as kings in life, enjoying our regal freedom through the gift of perfect righteousness in the one and only Jesus the Messiah? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We were held in the grip of death, but now we are living in life. We were, we were actually, you know, I know there's a movie out there or something, but we were examples. We were the living dead. Living dead is not zombies. Living dead is people that are not saved. They're walking around, breathing and existing, but they're not alive. And that's what we were before we got saved. We were the living dead. But now, bless God, I'm in the grip of grace. Not only to reign, but to continue. He says, in the grip of grace and continue reigning as kings in life. So we continue to reign because we continue to press into the word. We continue to take hold of the life that's been given to us, that we've grasped it with both hands and made it our lifestyle. That we should be enjoying a noble kingly splendid freedom that is in Christ Jesus it is not in that flesh it is not in those old ways it is not in that human reasoning it's not in that human nature without the influence of the Holy Spirit it is in Christ hallelujah it's a noble kingly splendid freedom a regal freedom in Christ hallelujah it's about reigning in life from a position of righteousness where we are in the grip of grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Phillips translation says this. Countless men's sins are met with the free gift of grace and the result is justification before God. Hallelujah. Justified before God. We've been given right standing in Christ Jesus, not in ourselves, but as long as I'm in Christ, 
I'm in right standing with the Father. So let's not grab the reports of the world. Let's not grab the economic reports. Let's not grab the reports of the medical world. But let's grab the report of the Word of God. The Word of God says, whose report will you believe? There's all kinds of reports out there. There are reports designed just for you. But whose report will you believe? Move out of the foundation of believing in God and start moving into the maturity of believing God. Amen. God said it, and I believe it, and as far as my life goes, that settles it. Amen. And not let go of it. Whose report will you believe? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's just lift our hands together and let's make some declarations before the Lord because it's important to declare some things. And let's say this together. I am a king. I do not allow circumstances to reign in my kingdom. I do not allow the ways of society to reign in my kingdom. I am a king through the one Jesus Christ. I only allow his word to reign in my kingdom. He made me a king. He made me a giver. He made me victorious. I decree. I declare. I decide the way things will be in my kingdom. I am a king. And where the word of the king is, there is power and authority. My life is making a breathtaking recovery because I grasped this kingly life with both hands. Because in Christ Jesus, I am a king. Now go ahead and praise him. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That you've delivered us, set us on high. You've brought us out of darkness and brought us into the light. Brought me out of that old nature and given me a new nature. Thank you, Lord, that you've made me brand new. Thank you, Lord, that all the decrees that it was against me got nailed to your cross so that I could be free from it all. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Bless you, bless you, Jesus. Praise your name. Praise your name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you for every person here, every person on live stream and podcast that we've made these declarations today. And Holy Spirit, we'll hear them again, get them in our heart. Holy Spirit, bring them back up on the inside of us that we will again declare them, that we'll again speak them, speak them down into our heart so that they can come out with force, come out with the strength of your word that I will walk strong in the Lord and in the power of your might. Father, I thank you for it. Thank you, Father, that as I come before you with my giving this evening, Father, I sow into this wildly extravagant life gift of righteousness in which I am a king and I choose to sow in order that I may reap, and I desire to reap so that I may sow even more. There's more to do in the kingdom. There's more people to reach in the world. 
there's more things that need to be accomplished, Father, that your will will be done. And I thank you that you put within our hand that which is necessary because we sow into this wildly extravagant life gift. Thank you for it. Bless you and praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen, amen, amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you again for joining us on live stream or on podcast, wherever you may be online, wherever you may be in the community, in the state, in the, in the country, or in the world. We thank you for joining together. And it's always an honor to share the word of God with you. And I believe that the word brings increase and touches and just tweaks things on the inside of you that you can take hold of just a thought that can change your outcome. If you'd like to sow seed into the ministry, go to our website, newlifefamilyworship.net, and click on the giving link. And I thank you in advance for the seed that you sow. And if there's anything that we can stand in prayer with you for, believe God together with you and be in agreement, please let us know. It's always an honor for us to stand with our partners for your needs to be met. Amen.